We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. With the third pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, the Charlotte Hornets select LaMelo Ball from Chino Hills, California. TJ. Welcome in to another BuzzBeat, everyone. Uh, don't forget your Charlotte Hornets podcast on the Blue Wire Network. Um, I am Spencer Percy. Today, it will be myself and Brian Geisinger, um, fellow co-hosts, talking about the Hornets' early season trends. And, and I think we're going to focus mostly on these uh, these two games and the baseball style back-to-back in Philadelphia. Uh, Richie is not with us tonight. A well-deserved break, I might add. Uh, for our fearless leader, Richie Randall. So on that note, Brian, uh, how's the early – well, you're watching all kinds of basketball right now. You have, like, college <laughs> basketball responsibilities, ACC yeah. basketball responsibilities. So are you keeping your head above water? Uh, Barely, man. Like, really barely. The the holidays were, was not easy to watch every – you know, watch ACC basketball prospects, you know, all the Hornets games, a little bit of normal NBA, like – family stuff and also like trying to not get COVID, you know, it's like, it's just a lot right now. So I am managing, but there have been a couple of days where um, like stress, like it's just the, the horrible combination of anxiety, stress levels being too high with like sleep from the previous night being too low. Um, but no, nah, I mean like it is, it is great to have these games and I, and I feel fortunate to even have basketball going on. So, um, but yeah, I'm hanging in, man. What, uh, have you been able to catch any college hoops at all too? Or are you just sort of other, other than UVA, or are you just sort of like zeroed in on, on Hornets right now and in, in sort of the NBA abroad? Yeah. It's been hard for me with college basketball this year. I think more so than seasons past. I'm not, I haven't put my finger on exactly why that is. I think mostly like things get moved around. Our schedules are different because of COVID, yeah. you know, and it's just, it's, it's kind of like hard to keep up with. So I haven't watched as much as I would like to. Um, then, you know, I, I saw Virginia play Gonzaga. That was ugly. Uh, caught yeah. a little bit of the Notre Dame game. But, but yeah, I, I, I'm hoping that now we're in the new year. Holidays are behind us. You know, I, I shouldn't use the word nor- normalcy, but kind of hoping to, to see a little bit more college hoops uh, yeah. now that we're in the new year. But, you know, have caught all the Hornets games, probably 50 yeah. percent of them live. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been interesting. You brought up lack of sleep. I actually got a have you ever heard of whoop? You know what Whoop is? Uh, is, that, little, is it an app or a drink? 
so, so close. So, so it's an app. Yeah. It's okay. like a little watch you wear around your wrist and it like, gotcha. Gotcha. like tracks your sleep, tracks your heart rate, all this stuff. So I got a, 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 a wake up call, let's say, um, like the four or five <laughs> days following Christmas being like, Oh, my sleep is worse than I thought it was. Yeah. Tracks all that. And so I'm trying to live a healthier lifestyle here as we get into the new year, which yeah. I try to do every year at the I, new year, but I, uh, I, I weighed myself, uh, earlier this week and, uh, the number that was staring back up at me from the scale, um, I got really mad at that number and really mad (laughs) as if it were someone else's fault. Uh, it's not, um, I need to do a better job eating better. Uh, that's also part of the, uh, the regimen going forward. So, um, trying to, I've been eating too much cereal and like probably drinking too much beer. So I'm trying to trying to step away from that stuff here for, uh, for, for a little bit, um, which maybe that'll help with the, the sleep as well. So well, that makes awesome. two of us. I'm not a cereal guy, but yeah, the beer intake, uh, past three weeks has not been yeah. ideal for the body. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. 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 Wean that one off a little bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right, well, look, let's, let's talk some Hornets basketball. Well, the things um, that make you want to drink Hornets basketball. Right, exactly. <laughs> I, I, and I can blame Hornets basketball. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, so let, let's start there. Um, well, well, before we get into these two Philly games, let's just like touch on a few of the trends of this mm-hmm. team. Some I think we expected, others maybe not so much. Let's just kind of bounce around. I'm going to let you go first. What's like one or two things that have made you raise your eyebrow about the Hornets through six games, um, good or bad? Yeah, so this is one, it has made me raise my eyebrow, but not because I, like, I think there's going to be a... Uh, some regression to the mean in in a good direction for this player and and for the Hornets. Um, But boy, Devontae Graham is just in a bad place right now. Now he was, he was better in the the second night. uh, There was part of me, the the second game in three days in Philadelphia, he shook loose for a couple catch and shoot threes. And I liked seeing Charlotte use him um, in a little bit of Spain action with uh, LaMelo and PJ I actually think like some of Charlotte's offensive mix, like I like, I've liked some of the stuff they've done. Uh, and maybe we can touch on that a little bit more, but like Devonte Graham, uh, the shooting numbers are, um, man, they're, they're really, really bad right now. Devon synergy has Devonte shooting one of 21 out of the pick and roll so far this year. Um, five percent under five percent shooting five percent effective shooting out of the pick and roll they have Devontae graham just three of 27 shooting off the dribble in the half court um 11 only one of those makes one of those three makes is um a three-pointer they have him 30 percent at the rim in the half court i mean that's you know that's probably maybe a little bit more that's not like too far off from where he was a year ago but uh i thought in the preseason he had some nice finishes around the hoop and that just Unfortunately, that was, you know, that was a small sample too. And it's not really carrying over to the, the regular season here, but yeah, Devonte Graham is in the ninth percentile in the league in terms of jump shot efficiency, uh, just 32% effective shooting on his jump shots. Um, and yeah, he's just 12 of 53 on jump shots in the half court in the, in this second percentile in the entire league. Uh, in pick and roll efficiency, uh, scoring under 0.2 points per possession with 26 pick and roll possessions to his name. So, um, you know, I obviously Devontae's role has changed a little bit this year with the addition of LaMelo. There's more off-ball play. I think the hope was that would sort of stabilize his offense a little bit. And as I mentioned at the top of this, uh, 
I, I love some of the stuff that they can do with Devonte as a movement shooter, and and I think ultimately that stuff will be good in the in the long run. Get him some some sort of juicy catch and shoot looks, maybe more a little more volume from the corner, which we saw in the preseason as well. But uh, so far, yeah, this is this is a contract year for Devonte. Uh, he's a great player. He was had an excellent season offensively last year. Really was the engine for Charlotte, night in, night out. Even when he slumped, his pull up, his pull up gravity and pick and roll passing were still, you know, the the nexus of the, you know that was this that was like the hub of the offense. Um, and that's gone this year. I, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't think that really has much to do with like you know role changing or different guys being in town. Not just Lamelo, but. You know, Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier are still here and PJ's handling the ball more and blah, blah, blah. Like he's going to start making more shots. Like it's going to happen, but just, boy, he was, he was so good last year shooting off the dribble. Um, one in factoring in volume was really one of the better guys in the league at that. And, uh, it's just, it's just fallen off a cliff the first two yeah, weeks of the yeah. season this year. Well, it's, I mean, yeah, I'm glad you brought Devontae up because I, I mean, I think that <clears throat> you could debate this a few different ways in terms of which player has been most disappointing on this team so far this year. But I think just what we came into the year hoping and expecting Devontae maybe take another step, um, you know, some of the reins offensive, you know, being the offensive hub, some of those reins kind of taken off of them um, to your point with the additions of Hayward and, and LaMelo. And it, I mean, it's just, I agree with you. I don't think it has a lot to do with role change. Although I do think there's a mental hurdle there that he hasn't overcome. Um, and that's before even talking about just the general lack of confidence he has shooting the basketball right now. Um, I appreciated him taking 11 threes last night, uh, you know, continuing to get him up. And I think, you know, I think five of 11 last night, like it's the first good sign, honestly, we've seen all season, but the most disappointing about Devonte is just the lack of development in any other area. And we already knew this is a weak part of his game. You know, like he's shooting 31% at the rim. <laughs> like, I don't care how small you are. I don't yeah. care what your stature is in the NBA. Like you, you just, you're not going to stick if you can't mm-hmm. improve that. Um, you know, certainly wasn't good last year. Not, not that bad, but you know, he's 29% or excuse me, 11% from the mid range, 32% from three overall, you know, 28% from above the arc, which is really where he made his hay last year, shooting the ball. So I, I think it's going to get better for Devonte, but again, you know, the lack of development in any other part of his offensive arsenal, other than taking as many threes as possible, uh, whether that be off the ball, like you said, as a movement shooter relocation, which mm-hmm. he's great at, or, you know, off the dribble, off the pick and roll. Uh, it's just all offline right now. So I think it does get better, but Devonte Graham, I would say his struggles early are likely the number one reason Charlotte has arguably the worst defense or excuse me, offense in the NBA. I mean, they're, they're bottom five as the stats tell us, but I think the eye test suggests, although that's a really number one defense in the NBA, Philly, they went up against the last two nights, but Mm -hmm. they can't score the ball, Brian. I mean, I mean, they, they have no one to turn to, to score. Uh, Gordon Hayward's the best bet and he's struggling. So I would say, you know, uh, we'll stick on another kind of eye raising, eyebrow raising negative here. Mine's PJ Washington. Um, it has a little bit to do with the stats. It has a little bit to do with um, how bad of a shape he came into camp. And it has a little bit to do with how poor his defensive effort, in my opinion, has been to start this season. Um, this one surprises me a little bit because I think PJ came into the NBA and he proved so many people wrong. You know, he had a lot of doubters 
when he was picked by the Hornets in the late lottery, came in, nobody thought he was a shooter, immediately is an impact as, as a stretch power forward, has a great rookie season, you know, all rookie second team. I mean, it's just like we found one. And then he comes into this season and, you know, as I brought up, not only is he out of, clearly out of shape, all you had to do is look at him game one. Um, but just also lethargic. I mean, his body language lethargic. In game six last night, it continues to be lethargic. Um, it's getting better, but this one really disappoints me, I think, uh, because of how P.J. started his career. And I, and I just thought he was one of these chip-on-the-shoulder kind of guys. And, and those are the kind of guys mm-hmm. you need when you're trying to build what Charlotte's trying to. And so I think it gets better for him as well. But, I mean, then you look at the numbers, you know, 46% effective shooting, 50% of the rim, terrible for, for a power forward in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, shooting 37% for three, and that has gotten a little bit better in the last few games. But like Devontae, I mean, if the threes aren't going in, there's no other evidence that there's any kind of, you know, offensive uh, arsenal for P.J. right now. He has not been successful in the post. He has not been successful facing up and going by his guy and fishing. He's not been successful as a roller. Um he's had spot success, you know, as a corner shooter, as a pick and pop guy so far this year. So mm-hmm. he's gotten to get, in, he's got to get into shape. I think it gets better, but to me, BG, he's been my number one disappointment, I think. Yeah. And it, it's a bummer because like, you know, as soon as he showed up last year, it was obvious how good he was, you know, pre, before the preseason and people were thinking, Oh, maybe he'll spend a little time in Greensboro. He'll bounce up and down, you know, I 85 and, He'll learn from Marvin and, and we'll, we'll really see what we have later in the year, year two or whatever. And then he was awesome in preseason and he had the kick-ass game against Chicago in the opener. And ultimately like he had a great rookie season. He's probably one of the five, six, seven best rookies in the league last year. He did a lot of stuff. Well, um, you know, it wasn't perfect, but really showed off a, a variety of skills and was just kind of like good, pretty good at everything, you know, just did a, did a little bit of everything, and because of that, it was sort of fun to project out um, just what this guy would be capable of in year two, year three. Like, look what he look where look where the floor is, and let's and imagine um, even if we even if that you think the cap for his skills is you know the sub all star or whatever, just how does he develop? How does he branch out? And what what do what are these more evolved? you know, young to mid twenties to late twenties versions of PJ look like he fits so well with, you know, whomever you can put on the roster and we're going to see him more at small ball five and, and uh, maybe that'll be a good thing. And yeah, the defense will be a little better. You're just thinking all of these things. You're just thinking like in my head, I was thinking like incremental improvements across the board, plus more playmaking. Um, And we are seeing him more at center. He's played 87 minutes this season as the, as like the de facto five for Charlotte and the Hornets have actually has completely punted on the idea of a backup center. I mean, we're going small. That's it. It's it. It, Like, I mean, like they, the, one of the other like mini stories is like, man, they miss Cody Zeller because like, as you've tweeted, like the starting lineup with uh, biz at center is just getting absolutely, um, absolutely steamrolled. Yeah. in 56 minutes, uh, a net rating of minus 27 points per 100 possessions. They're scoring less than 88 points per 100 possessions and giving up 114. Um, obviously small sample, but like, yeah, like they look of their worst with that lineup on the court. And I even think biz is actually giving them some like decent minutes, but it just, it's not clicking, um, with that group in part because 
uh, just how badly Devonte and, and PJ are, are, um, are struggling right now. Um, PJ's turnovers are up over three turnovers per 36 minutes this year, last season when he was really just a catch and shoot guy that was below two. So that's gone up. Um, you know, he's shooting more at the rim this season, probably in part because he's playing a little more five, um, but he's shooting fewer threes. He's shooting less from the mid range, which is, it's okay, but he's shooting, as you said, 50% at the rim, which is not a good number for like a guy that's basically playing four and a half and is getting to do so with a fair amount of shooting around him. I think there have been glimmers of hope. I thought he played well in the second game um, against Philadelphia or better. I should say, even, even though he was in a little bit of foul trouble, I think despite the turnovers with like the face up game with the space creation, um, you know, getting a little advantage and then trying to attack off that. I think ultimately it has not been good, but I think there have been like a handful of possessions this year where you're like, okay, if he could just, be a little faster, a little more careful with the ball here. You know, we're seeing the remnant. Like if you add this to his spot up shooting game, plus his ability to post switches, like, all right, we're talking about a guy that can, that can really do some stuff. And I'm trying to continuously remind myself that like, we, we have a whole season of, of data saying that PJ is a pretty good, pretty good young player. And, and you and I really liked him a lot before the 2019 draft. So we, there's just, there are two seasons of basketball where you and I can look at and say, PJ got better and between both years and um and, and we know we we know that he's a pretty good young player with a skill set that fits sure yeah um but yeah this season has been early on has um has has been a little disappointing his shooting numbers are pretty good when he gets to be the five um i, I guess he's found some of those matchups a little more palatable and there's a little more space and shooting yeah, around right. him and and that's right. good um you know, maybe he's getting to play. I'd have to double check on the stats with this, but you know, him getting to play with LaMelo is probably a good thing because LaMelo is a really good passer and we should talk about getting better. Looks. That's right. yeah, yeah, we yeah. should talk about LaMelo at some point because I, I think um, there's, there's probably a lot to talk about and, and I think there's a fair amount of positives too, but uh, yeah, I'm not like hitting the panic button on PJ. Uh, again, I think there's a lot of evidence that suggests he's a good player. But there's just he's just got to tighten up around around the edges, be yeah. more careful with the basketball. Um, I think some of the woes defensively are disappointing, but I do think part of it is like the right now, like the systems defensively is like a it's a cluster bleep. You know what I mean? Like yeah. no one's playing well defensively for this team, including no, PJ. No. no, yeah. And so I want to stay on a few things, um, and I'm going to make a comment about PJ real quick. I just looking back on all that we talked about on this pod, you know, leading up to the bubble and after the bubble and until the Hornets played basketball again, like all that time that went by where they, for the vast majority of it, didn't have a facility to go into. You knew one of these young guys was going to fall through the cracks in terms of physical conditioning. And I think all of them have to an extent. I think PJ, we can look back and say, see, we knew this was going to happen. He, to me, he is the clear front runner on, on, uh, young player that that really got negative negatively affected by not having trainers, not having player personnel staff, uh, not having a facility to go to. Uh, not saying he's not a motiv- motivated young guy, but I am saying he didn't do the things he should have to stay in shape. It's, it's obvious. It's it, period. Bregos has said it, and I, and I think he's right. So that's really why it's it's been most disappointing to me with him. I agree with you. There's a whole season full of data suggesting he's good. I still like PJ as a prospect. I think he gets back 
um, you know, to the way he played last year. Let's stay on these other things that, that you were just yeah. kind of bringing up there. Number one, the defense, and then let's just go ahead and talk about LaMelo. Um, the defense, I think we share this sentiment. I have no idea what the scheme is. It it's is a mess. one a of mess. the stupidest. I mean, mess. seriously, I don't know what this matchup zone, like box and one meets trying. I like, I don't even know why I'm watching. I can't put my finger on it. And, and these, mm. and these guys don't know what they're doing out there. Mm. They don't, they can't communicate through it. Uh, they're trying to keep the guards up at the top at all costs and not get them stuck down low because Charlotte's one of the smallest teams in the league. And that's obvious, but when Miles Bridges and PJ Washington are sharing the floor, those two specifically, I'm, I'm probably going to forget about others, but those are the two like, like sores to me out there. Mm-hmm. They are BG. I can't remember seeing many NBA teams or NBA players lost as much as, especially I, Miles. And Miles I'll say has nice moments this year, but yeah. good gosh, that guy's I, lost. I think Rozier has been really bad as amongst the guards too. I mean, like Devonte has not been stellar defensively necessarily either, but like, Rozier's one of those guys that just like if you watch back any portion of these games or maybe you catch you can catch it live too. Like he he fucks up all the time too defensively. Like he does. He gambles and he yeah. and he'll fight. Yeah. Rozier, the one thing Rozier do, a lot of these guys won't do it, is he'll get he'll get up into the ball and he can actually stay in the ball handler's jock for an extended period of time. But when the ball gets to the lane, Rozier gives in. Mm-hmm. And there's no help at the rim for sure. That's what these guards and, and the wings got to understand if they're going to play this switching scheme. I know they're trying to funnel the ball to the baseline. I know they're, you know, this thing's set up, a zone defense set up for you to have help, but you can't just let the guy take a dribble and then just give in. Mm-hmm. And it just happens over and over and over again. And, you know, if the Hornets can't, if they're going to play zone and they absolutely cannot keep the ball in front, then I don't really know what the point is of playing zone. Like, and the second, my second thought is, I think Borrego, to an extent, is making the is making the defensive game a lot harder on these young players than he needs to. If you're going to stink on defense, anyways, at least make them fundamentally better as defenders, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like at least teach them how to go over a ball screen and try to stay attached, or how to play a drop coverage. You know, how to get one foot in the paint and one foot not. But when when guys are looking at each other after every single after every other possession. And saying, well, where were you here? You know, you were supposed to run. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they don't, nothing is on the same page. So I almost just wish they would go back to a man to man, you know, do everything in mankind to close off the paint and just live <laughs> with teams, you know, knocking down outside shots, yeah. uh, which some of the best defenses in the league last year did, yeah. including Toronto and Milwaukee. They gave up tons of, of corner threes. I, I kind of wish we would go back to, um, basics defensively because i don't know what i'm watching out there right now yeah uh, i'm with you too i actually think it would be a good idea to uh it's just well yeah either pack it in or or go to man and just switch everything just make it i don't know find something man to man that that makes a little more sense i mean no matter what the defensive personnel on this team isn't good like it's right. not going to be a good defensive team um and even if you have like you have like you you think very highly of guys like Cody Martin as a defender and he, like he's not even in the rotation like Caleb has just complete Caleb Martin is just like usurped him in the rotation. Um, I'm not necessarily crazy about that decision. Um, like we we can talk whether like Caleb Martin is an NBA player or not like as much as we want, but like it, I, I just think he, the minutes you're giving to him are 
you're, you're, they're just, I, I don't, I'm not sure the justification behind the minutes for Caleb Martin. It, they feel sort of pointless. Um, but I've thought, yeah, I've thought about that. I mean, I think he, he has more zip than his brother, in my opinion, with yeah. the ball. Although I think his brother has more pace offensibly, has mm-hmm. better pace. But like with me, Borrego just keeps, you know, his lineup inconsistency, which I get, he's searching, but he's searching for more offense. Mm-hmm. When I get that, like net rating and offensive rating and defensive ratings suggests that the Charlotte, that Charlotte actually should be searching for offense, not defense right now. They're according to the stats league average in defense. I don't think that tells the real story, but, not, no. <laughs> but, but I mean, he, he's searching for offense where I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm a couch, you know, I'm a QB armchair here, but, uh, or armchair QB, but I, I just, I would be searching in the exact opposite area. I'd be searching for defense. I think Jeremy McGain is playing more minutes. I know he's not a playmaker, but, and I know he gets overpowered a lot and he's not a great rebounder for his size, but the guy hits his spots all the time and he fights and he moves his feet and he stays in front and he's not lost on defense. That's what I'm saying. Just what I know he and Caleb Martin don't play like the same position, but it's just like whatever minutes are being distributed to Caleb Martin. I just think you can reallocate those, but I, I get the fact I get what you're saying about him having a little more zip offensively and maybe just like, you know, he's an energy guy too. And you want someone to bring a little, you know, verve to the lineup um, to, to your point about the defense and and how things have just not been working out so far. Um, it, it like, this is one of those things when you watch Charlotte play it, um, it feels sort of like obvious. And then the, the like it, every time I watch them play, I'm like, man, it's so easy to get the ball to the rim on these guys. Like it just doesn't, it's not even that hard. You move it around a little bit. Um, someone's going to be out of position. You cut to the rim or drive to the rim and just like, you're, you're going to have an opening, um, stats sort of, uh, early on the season seem to suggest that, um, 39% or pardon me, uh, hold on one second. Let me flip this around. Um, huh. Hold on. I was looking at the wrong, <laughs> looking at the wrong numbers here. Forgive me. Uh, yeah, uh, 37% of field goal, the field goal attempts against Charlotte's defense uh, have been at the rim this season. That's like a bottom six or seven number um, in the NBA. And teams are shooting against Charlotte at the rim. Uh, in the mid, like the low 60s, like 62.5%, which is not, you know, it's sort of fine. But the volume is the bigger yeah, issue. Yeah. Um, and it's not, it's not as good there. It feels like that could get worse honestly, um, <laughs> with the way, with the way things are, are trending. Well, you know, and I, I think the other thing, just while we're on the system conversation and I want to talk about Lamella too, because this is what I was going to bring up in terms of a positive for the Hornets that, I mean, I think we knew they were going to share the ball, but you know, assist rate wise, the Hornets are far beyond better than any other team in the NBA. Uh, and share in, you know, in terms of how, what the percentage of field goals they may come from assists, it's 75%. Uh, next closest team is Miami at 67. So it, it's a good and bad thing. The good thing is that the Hornets are, the ball's flying around, you know, it's popping around. I think Borrego's system is, mm-hmm. is bearing out in a lot of ways. Um, but it also suggests that the Hornets have absolutely no other way to score the basketball other than off a catch and shoot chance. Right. Yeah. They just don't have a guy. Um, Even, I mean, Gordon Hayward is the only hope in that area. And, you know, and, and I think he struggled for most of the season here. So, that I mean, and that's going to be an ongoing struggle. If mm-hmm. if Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward uh, and Miles, I mean, all these guys that are that have some sort of shooting acumen, 
if they can't be league average shooters or a little better, um, it, this thing's going to get this is going to yeah. get a lot worse because they just there's nobody on this roster that can go get a bucket on his. Yeah. On his yeah, and I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why you've seen Bridges being used as a rim runner, right? Um, and, and he's hooked up. He hooked up uh, once again for another dunk uh, with Lamelo in the pick and roll last night. It was actually, <laughs> it was a, it was a great ATO design by James Rago. Like, yeah, I mean, he's James Rago is lethal with the clipboard, drawing up ATOs and stuff like that. I, I thought he drew several um, uh, gems last night that got Charlotte. You know, <laughs> looks right at the rim in the secondary look would have been, you know, an open three or whatever. But I just love some of the stuff that he he draws up in timeouts. I think it's really one of his true strengths as as a coach is that he he, he has um, he sort of can you know dictate the, the next possession after a timeout pretty well and produce um, some good offense. Uh, you know, there is a guy named Malik Monk on the roster and, you know, they finally knocked the dust off him last night and uh, gave him his first uh, taste of the regular season. It did not go great. Admittedly, I don't think he was put in a great situation, like late in the second half on the road against the superior team. Oh, and guess what? Uh, Tyrese Maxey is going to guard you and make your may really just like make this debut. Yeah, like yeah. you don't like, yeah, like you'd like to come in and sort of move around and get, maybe get an open shot. And now you've got this, you know, 20 year old bulldog, just, you know, all up in your grill, making life miserable. But, you know, he got a catch on, uh, it was either the first or second possession. They ran a little Spain action, which they ran a lot of in the second game in Philadelphia. And Devante's pass was just way too low. Monk had to, bend over, catch it, then line it up and missed it. He had a bad turnover, but it like the, he is one of the guys on this team, whether like you, we can, we can talk about like just how advanced of a shot maker uh, Malik Monk is. He can at least put pressure on the rim. Um, we saw yeah, that a season we saw it last year exactly. and we don't, we don't know right now. It's hard to know what kind of shape he's in. He didn't look great last night. I, he didn't look awesome in the preseason. Um, and obviously all the messaging out of the team is just as saying thumbs up for everyone across the board, not just Malik, like the, the, right. every, everything's great right now, even though the, the, the on-court product doesn't look so wonderful. And yeah, it's just weird. Like, like Charlotte's two wins came over the nets when Durant was playing really, really well. And uh, I know Przingis wasn't playing for Dallas, but yeah, they beat Dallas in Brooklyn. I mean, Dallas hasn't looked great so far this season. Um, I guess in general with Porzingis out, but uh, but yeah, I don't know. Like beat maybe two teams that yeah are going to be second round, you know, yeah, playoff teams most likely. You know, yeah, it's 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 been weird. Yeah, I, mean, I, obviously, I just don't know. I just don't know where they are with Monk. You know what I mean? And and yeah. like it's just it's it's I, impossible to gauge from from the outside. But he's the one other guy in this roster that will off a live dribble can can crack a defense and get to the rim. But like. I don't know. I don't know if we're, we're going to see it for whatever, you know, whether because Charlotte, he's not in the rotation or because like, you know, he's just not like in game shape and ready to have the same level of performance he did um, a year ago. Well, I, I mean, I think it's, it's interesting. I thought about this a little bit today. Um, I, the only explanation to me, BG is that like Borrego's just, I mean, these are young players, right? Caleb Martin. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know he's not that young, but he hasn't been in the NBA that long. Malik's a young guy. Cody Martin's a young guy. Jalen McDaniels is a young guy. Like out of that group, the ones getting minutes are probably the ones that are doing a few different things, putting in the work, being a team guy in practice. Like, you know, this probably has a little bit of like a college feel to it where it's like, you haven't earned mm-hmm. shit. No offense, Malik. Yeah. But like, 
like we're here we are uh, you're whatever and, and you, you're still you're not earning it so that would kind of be my guess um the conclusion i came to today and this will change because the hornets are going to lose a lot of games and malik will get a chance because they'll at least try to audition him for a trade um but I, I, this might be over, man. I mean, this, this might be over in Charlotte for Malik Mug. I, I just can't imagine that everything's as hunky dory as, as Mitch, Mitch Kupchak would have made us try to believe before the season. And, and now, you know, Malik just literally not playing at all. Uh, yeah. It just it can't be good. It can't be. I unfortunately um, get, I hope I'm wrong, uh, but I unfortunately get a similar vibe at the moment. Um, yo, what Spencer, why don't we take a quick break? And, uh, and when we come back, we will finally touch on uh, LaMelo ball as we've <laughs> teased uh, on and off for the, the entirety of this podcast here. <laughs> Sounds good. Hey everyone. I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks and on top of that we'll help you get your show pushed out to apple spotify google stitcher and all other all other listening platforms and the best part is you can get all of this for only 15 dollars a month the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you for just the initial setup so whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. All right. Um, let's jump in and, and talk about LaMelo, uh, what everyone's probably been waiting <laughs> to hear. Stuff about. <laughs> the only thing that brings a smile to your face with the Hornets right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I've, I've been, I've been very impressed with LaMelo. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think where it starts for me, I mean, I think we knew what he could do passing the basketball, but even that part of it in transition has been like jaw dropping, uh, yes. certainly in the first few games. Um, me, BG, I would start with defense. I think that LaMelo is going to, he's going to struggle as an on-ball defender for a while, maybe his whole career. I think he has limitations there, but as an off-ball defender, as a high IQ, understanding rotations, understanding how to play health defense, um, you know, he hits the spots. He really does. I don't know that I expected that because uh, we didn't see that in Australia, I didn't think at least the, the, the film didn't really bear that out to me, but he's come in, he's been a great team defender. He plays with energy for the most part on that end. And then to top it off, he's a great defensive rebounder. You know, he's a great rebounder in general, but especially defensive rebounder. And he allows the Hornets really, you know, to get into transition, which they've been doing, you know, fairly consistently this year. I mean, they're still top 10, I think they're eighth in pace right now. So, so that part of the plan uh, has still come to fruition, but you know, he's things happen when the mellow comes in. Uh, they really do. Um, he's tops. I believe this is right. Yeah, he's tops on the team in usage as well, which surprised me a little mm-hmm. bit. 
uh, when I looked that up earlier. I know the minutes are, you know, 21 minutes per game, certainly not up there with the starting five, but um, I've been impressed with him defensively. I really have. Uh, it's been a pleasant surprise for me. I think he gets better on the ball. And then on the other end, I already talked about his transition offense. I mean, we, we've seen how dynamic that can be. Um, you know, he just makes the game easier for his teammates. Um, he shot the ball pretty good start the season. I, I think surprisingly well, rough, rough outing last night, pulled those numbers down a little bit, but before last night in Philly, I think, you know, three pointer hovering around 40%. So teams weren't, you know, I, I think it was kind of 50, 50, most of the time defenders going under, but not every single time with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think the question of whether Monk should be in the starting lineup or excuse me, Monk, uh, Mello <laughs> ball should be in the starting lineup. I think it's, I think it's a fair one. I think it's still a little bit early. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that Borrego bringing him off the bench, bringing him along slowly kind of making him earn his keep has paid dividends so far because he's playing with a lot of effort consistently. Yeah. I think it was, uh, Greg handles Messiah who tweeted this out a couple of days ago, like the progression of LaMelo, uh, which was basically like, uh, you know, step one, phase one was sort of like, oh, let's let's like see what we have. This exciting young player. Step two was like, wow, he's he's better than we thought. And then you know, phase three was like, wait, is he the best player on the uh, on the roster? Um, yeah, no. Like as far as the team defense goes with with Lamelo, um, this was the sell. This was something I brought up on one of the pre-draft pods, which was like, he's six seven, six eight, and he's a really smart basketball player. Um, yeah, he's probably going to struggle because he's skinny. Um, and he's just sort of like awkward getting over screens. Like that's going to, that's going to take some time. I might, yeah, he said like, maybe he'll never be great, but I do think with this size, that'll help a little bit. But as of right now uh, at 3.6%, LaMelo ball leads the NBA in steal rate. Um, that is one of the fun little small sample size (laughs) nuggets of the, uh, of the early season. Um, but I think like, not only is he just, you know, can he hit his spots and stuff like sometimes he makes pretty impressive plays like, uh, you know, picking outside pick and roll and, and kind of like waiting over and being in a good help position. And as soon as he gets the basketball, like, yeah, game on, um, you, you mentioned this just like his passing and transition is just, I mean, I've never seen any, you and I have both watched a lot of basketball. Everyone listening to this podcast has watched a lot of basketball. Um, has, have you, have you seen anything like this before? Like the, his vision and how yeah, quick yeah. that ball gets from a to B and just like, it just, it, it's like, you, you know, my real quickly, my favorite of the, my favorite so far, I, I don't think anything's going to beat it this year. And it didn't even yeah. lead to a basket. I don't think, but <laughs> I think it was the Dallas game. I think don't quote me on this. Somebody yeah. hit up to him, just hit up, hit up the sideline to him. He caught it. Uh, I, I would say like, timeline extended Mm -hmm. and threw an underarm like like (laughs) softball style like fastball across the court (laughs) in motion to gordon hayward who caught it one two into his shot and the shot didn't go in i don't know who got the rebound but i watched that like 10 times because i I just wanted to understand the physics of how he caught that ball took one dribble and it his like he's he's you know he's a string bean right now he just whipped that thing underhand on the money it's it's one of the most amazing passes i've ever seen in basketball he is a savant passer like his his, the combination of his vision his size um his just uh his the gall with which he plays with just like the audacity to throw some of these passes is just like completely absurd like the it wasn't in the regular season but the one like look off hit ahead bounce pass that he threw to malik 
uh, for a layup in the preseason was just like, yeah, no one's done that before, like on a basketball court. Like that that is an absurd thing to try. It's incredible that you pulled it off perfectly. Like it hit Monk in stride. Um, And like, I find myself getting like juiced, uh, not just when he comes in, but you know, if he, if he scoops up a long defensive rebound or he gets a steal and he's sort of in that like back defensive third for Charlotte as they're transitioning the offense. And you're just like, anything could happen. Um, the, the skip passes this guy's throwing, they're not like your ordinary skip pass where it's skipping, you know, one station to the, to go to the next one. Like it is more, it is like multiple dimensions that are being jumped uh, yeah. to, to transition from possession change to scoring opportunity. It is, uh, it is something else. It must be crazy fun playing with him. And that's honestly going to be something to like monitor, like as the LaMelo ball project goes further, like, as this guy gets better, um, just how much of like being around the ball brand name and playing with a passer like this, like we're, it's way too early to get on this, but like if Charlotte were to ever be a destination, you know, for a free agent, like this, yeah. like this is like, I'm not, not now, like I'm talking about like five, six years from now, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. You know, assuming everything, everything goes well, but just like, yeah, he comes in, he makes a lot of mistakes. Like he's not a completely efficient offensive player at the moment. Um, you know, you see pretty uh, more efficient than maybe I would have expected. No, yeah, totally for sure. The, the, the yeah. shot looks, the shot looks awful, but it goes in. So he has some nights where he shoots pretty well. And I even kind of like his, like, uh, when Lamelo's like uh second side or weak side, and it gets thrown to him on the wing or in the corner. Like his like pump and like side dribble reload is, I mean, again, the shot is pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Like I, I like, like that's pretty skilled. Um, he doesn't always get downhill and go to the rim. Like sometimes he still wants to settle, settle for those little weird, you know, floaters or runners, but like <laughs> so weird, but they're going in. <laughs> yeah, they are. And like, and, and he, I would say there have been more than just like flashes of him getting to the rim. I, I think a couple times a game, he does it. I, I thought he had a pretty nice finish over Shake Milton that he got fouled on last night. I thought he had a couple aggressive takes against both Simmons and Embiid over the last two games, like two of the yeah. best defenders on planet earth, maybe even one against Dwight too. Um, and yeah, like he's six, eight, six, seven, whatever. Like he's, he's got yeah. some length and, and I just think he's shown, he's just, he's shown some burst, which has been nice. He, he has that ability to one of the other things that he does already, you know, he does it like once or twice a game, but like the switch hand layup in the air. And sometimes love, it doesn't yeah. work. But sometimes it leads to magic too. Like sometimes it leads to yeah. him getting an open layup. Sometimes it leads to him getting a, a kick out three because he's able to transition from right to left in mid air. And well, and I want to I want to add some real quick to that yeah, yeah. because a lot of guys will do this. Like I think Malik is one that comes to my mind. Like a lot of guys will do this just for like because it looks cool because because mm-hmm. they're athletic and it's like you know well it looks cool it's for show. Lamelo does it well. Number one. He doesn't just do it to like move his arms into different angles. Yeah. Like I said, make it look cool. He's, he's doing it to keep the ball in a position to where he could either pass it. Yes. Right. He could drop it off. He could kick it to the opposite corner. He could use his right hand. You could use his left hand. And meanwhile, he's using his eyes with the primary against the primary defender and the secondary defenders. And once yeah. he realizes all his options are warped, he's going to switch it and go to that left-handed layup. Like we saw last night in Philly in the air. So it's like, He's not, my point is he's not doing it for show per se, but he's doing it because he's processing the game so quickly 
Yeah. And he's understanding that's how he leverages every situation around him. And, and that's, yeah. that is, that is so, so impressive. Um, continue your point. I want to get back yeah, to him no, kind of finishing at the rim here in a second, but that that's a, that's a, a great point. And if you file it underneath the category of just like, he's a special and smart basketball player, like he's got a ways to go. Um, there's, you know, a lot of stuff he's got to get significantly better at, but his, his, the way he processes things on the basketball court is yeah. Like it's, it's elite. Um, just the rest of his game is going to have to kind of catch up with that for him to really like become the, the sort of like apex version of him he can get to, but even his, like we talked about the transition passing. I think his half court passing has been great. I, I love him as a pick and roll passer. Like he threw a behind the back one to PJ the other night. That was just absolutely filthy uh, when, when PJ screened and then popped out, like he's going to be an incredible, like slashing downhill passer to any of those like horn sets where you, you know, you roll one guy and pop the other guy. Um, like everyone's going to be open on those plays, you know, he, or like anyone who is open, he can hit is maybe the better way to think about it. Um, Charlotte's going to have to find some better counters or some better ways to sort of develop him against teams going under. I mean, I think that's sort of a, a thing you're, you're seeing and something that in terms of like wins and losses, they missed against Philly because like, you know, the, the Devontae wasn't, isn't shooting well enough to like burn those types of coverages. And, and LaMelo just doesn't have all the, doesn't have all the, you know, all the cheat codes and answers to, to those types right. of problems just yet. But um, yeah, I just, his passing has been phenomenal. I like some of the other stuff they've done. Like the can't, I don't think you can do enough Spain action with him. Um, I, I think that is one of those things to help counter uh, drop coverage. I love the two man game with he and Gordon Hayward. Though I think Shake Milton just like being out of his head defensively led to those possessions looking maybe a little bit better than they would look like against the normal like switching defense. But I thought even like the Thibel switched on him on the second one and he sort of like scooped, spun and scooped around and like it, it was a great move on a on a really good young defender in Matisse Thibel. Um, but I, I like the two man game with Hayward. I assume teams will try to switch that, but that's just a good way to get to like rhythm Hayward down to the mid range and to maybe get a, you know, get a switch that you want or something like that. Like, I just, I think there's some utility with, uh, with that as well, with uh, LaMelo. I just think there's, there's some cool stuff that they're just starting to scratch the surface on as far as what to use him in the half court. For sure. Yeah. And you, you, you highlighted that with the, the Spain pick and roll, you know, they need to use that more. I think you're absolutely right. And yeah. And the two man game with Hayward, I mean, certainly need to use that more. You're right. I mean, they probably, you know, teams will probably switch it if they have the personnel, which most do in this league, but it at least creates a situation to where, you know, if one of those guys kind of goes to the screen, you're going to have some space on the attack. Right. And Charlie yes. just needs every inch of that, that they can get right now because, you know, teams are just sitting back and, and watching them chuck threes. Um, <laughs> so a few things, a few other thoughts I had on LaMelo that I just wanted to share. Number one, the jump shot, it looks kind of like we, I mean, it looks like it did on tape. Um, I, I want to see him get more lift. I want to see him get more lift in all aspects of his offensive game. I understand maybe why he doesn't. I, I know like you get higher in the air, you have less control, right? Like, so yeah. I, part of me thinks maybe that's, uh, that's just nature in his game. Um, but I think that helps his jump shot positive. I see with his jump shot, the rotation looks fine. I mean, once it does come out of his hand, it's not, it's, you know, it's not uh, rotating the wrong direction. It's not rotating sideways. Mm -hmm. um, it's just how long it takes to, to get off uh, and kind of where it comes. Like it comes, it comes out low. 
it's easy to contest. Yeah. You know, those yeah. things can certainly be corrected. We've seen Lonzo yeah. correct that uh, yeah. drastically in, in New Orleans. Yeah. But the other thing is just like at the rim, he's only shooting 32% at the rim, but he's taking 25 attempts from there in six games and 20 volume minutes. Is good. Yeah. yeah, volume is good. That's right. Yeah, yeah. volume is good. So, um, you know, he's going to have to put his body in uh, some 50-50 spots if he wants mm-hmm. to be – well, number one, if he wants to develop as a better finisher at the rim, and number two, if he wants to get to the free throw line, which he doesn't, he doesn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think, like to your point, I think he has some burst. I think he has a little bit of zip. I mm-hmm. think he can Lamelo. I don't think he's ever going to be the guy that attacks the rim with like a reckless abandonment. Mm-hmm. But I think he can learn, just like Kimba did, how to get the defender on his hip, get the defender in a negative situation, and then use the defender's body against him. Like, Lamelo is pr- plenty smart to yeah. learn those little tricks of the trade. And yeah. he can – we've already seen him try to try these layups kind of high off the glass, you know, low and to the side off the glass with spin. So mm-hmm. I think he's going to develop those little tricks to become a pretty good finisher at the rim. And the last thing I wanted to know is just like this sh- – <laughs> well, a few things. Number one, <laughs> if I had to just like, if somebody said, you only have five words, describe LaMelo Ball's game. I would just say everything he does is unconventional. Every yeah. single thing. Yeah. Everything he does is unconventional. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. most of it comes out to be good. Yeah. Not all of it, but most of it. Um, but these little like 20 foot, you know, 18, 19 <laughs> foot floaters, I've never seen anything like that in my life. But right now, he is, <laughs> I couldn't believe this when I looked at it earlier. From the short mid-range, he's five of seven. From the long mid-range, he's only two or three, whatever. He's only taken a few yeah. of them. But those things go in. Yeah. And Nate Duncan brought this up when I was doing the the uh, preseason outlook on the Hornets with him. And he said, he's like, I think LaMelo needs to take those shots this year because they went in a lot. And you mm-hmm. saw it on the tape. And I told, I was like, no, he those things are going to work in the league. Uh, are you kidding me? I don't want any guy in the NBA taking a 20 <laughs> foot floater, like off, off the opposite foot. Like I'm not into that, but he, it might just be a part of his game that ends up working. Yeah. So I've been uh, just get a good chuckle out of that. I guess that they, they do look, yeah. I mean, they do look goofy. He just is such an inscrutable, an, an inscrutable player. Like he, he is, he is unique. Um, and yeah, like I do think couple, couple thoughts sort of like more broadly on LaMelo. It's like, yes, there's some stuff you're going to want to coach him on and get him better on. There are some things in the inter- interim you can do to make, half court situations more um more efficient for him but like eventually like part of it, this thing with him is like you got to let him do his thing too you know what i mean like within the confines of the system you know like it, if he wants to take that shot then yeah maybe it's not a bad idea to let him take the shot you know like as long as his teammates are cool with it and it goes in x percentage of the time then like i i guess it's fine even if it is just completely um you know, un- unconventional um, I'm sure some of the, like, again, I'm, I, I hate to draw all these kinds of comparisons because this, this other guy isn't just an all-time player, but like some of the, some of the shit Steph Curry did once upon a time, people were sort of side-eyeing and saying like, well, That's a good point. You know, WTF, you know, what's up with that? Um, again, different players, different players, different scenarios in so many, so many, uh, different ways, but, uh, different isn't bad also too. And I, I kind of want to embrace right now. I just really want to like embrace the weirdness of, of, of LaMelo while not 
also not just like completely like geeking out because there are some some glaring things that need to be worked on to that to that point you and i have touched on just how like intelligent of a of a basketball player it is it'll be interesting it will be interesting to see how that translates to like skill development um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like how much stuff can he add how quickly can he add it you know what 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 can you expect um in the off seasons every off season between year one to the end of the rookie contract you know what i mean like how quickly the how quickly can he pick something up is he able to sort of apply his his genius in 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 that sort of way just from like a learning new skills and developing them in a somewhat compressed a uh, bit of time that that'll be, you know, we just, we, we don't know that yet, but he is a fairly advanced player at age 19. So maybe that speaks a little bit to that. And uh, yes, like he's gotten better since the days at Chino Hills, no doubt. And that really wasn't like that long ago. Um, you mentioned them playing fast. I just want to read these numbers off real quickly. Um, Charlotte last year was last in pace. They were last in time of possession on offense this season. Uh, the Charlotte Hornets through just six games or seven games, pardon me. They are six in number six in the NBA in um, time of like, like average possession length on offense, uh, 13.7 seconds. And I, I don't, unfortunately unpredictable, which is a great site for sorting this stuff out. I can't see what it looks like on and off with LaMelo, but you know, understanding that he's playing about half the game. Uh, that is a dramatic increase after a made shot. Charlotte is averaging, 16.5 seconds per offensive possession. That's number nine in the NBA after a defensive rebound, 10.6 seconds per offensive possession. That's number eight in the NBA. And after a turnover, they are averaging 7.7 seconds per offensive possession. That two number eight in the NBA. So they're top 10 in all of those different categories after a made shot, after a defensive rebound and after a turnover in terms of time, uh, time of possession uh, per possession. And yeah, they are number six sandwiched between the Toronto, the go-go Toronto Raptors and LeBron James in the Los Angeles Lakers at number seven. So yeah, they're, 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 if it looks like they're playing faster, it's because they are like, they are playing dramatically faster this season. Um, And and LaMelo ball is a big part of that. Great stuff. Um, let's take a, just a quick look ahead for what's coming for Charlotte here before we get out. Uh, they go to Atlanta. You'll be listening to this on a Wednesday morning, hopefully. So they're at Atlanta tonight at New Orleans for one of the national TV games yes. Friday. Very exciting. The, the, Lon- the Lonzo versus LaMelo battle. Um, home for Atlanta, home for New York, home for Dallas. A little back-to-back kind of baseball series at Toronto, just like they had with Philly. Washington at home, Chicago at home, Orlando in another little bit at Orlando in another baseball series that takes us almost up to the end of January. So I I read this off just to say, like, I think there is some opportunity for Charlotte to get some wins here in January. Mm -hmm. It has been a rough start to the season for them in terms of strength of schedule. Uh, Although they did beat Brooklyn Brooklyn and Dallas, (laughs) as we talked about earlier. Um, (laughs) So, but you know, anyways, I say that to kind of take us out on Charlotte needs to show something here in January um, because, you know, if they were to go, if they were to lose like 10 in the next 15, I would say BG, then it's time to it's time to look yourself in the mirror here um, because they are not going to be that contender, even for the play in that yeah. maybe Michael Jordan uh, was hoping for. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great point. And it would be very, assuming if they, if they get to that stage of the season, um, I would be curious, 
uh, to see what direction they would move in. Um, it, you know, would they sort of panic and look to like add something to, to better their odds? You know what I mean? Or would they just sort of like lean into, well, we would very much like to have a top three pick in this draft. And, uh, you know, we really like Cade Cunningham and, uh, we really like Jalen Suggs. We love Evan Mobley. Uh, why don't we maybe just say like, Hey, it's okay. You know what I mean? Like, we'll just, let's, let's look ahead one more year. We can't really even have fans here anyway. I, that's, we have a ways to go, but we could end up getting there pretty quickly. So uh, the next four weeks will, will be telling the next two games. I'm fascinated by Like I haven't seen much of Atlanta this year. I can't wait to see them against Charlotte. Um, and the new Orleans will be super fun just because of, you know, Zion and, and, you know, Lonzo. And so I'm actually quite excited for the next two, the next two games uh, for, for Charlotte. And yeah, like the, it, I I shouldn't even bring it up this late in the, in the pod and maybe we can talk about it more depending on how the season sort of progresses, but you talked about Hayward a little bit and like some good moments, but there's a ceiling on how productive he can be, how, what, just how active he can be for your offense, how impactful he can be for your offense. And that is somewhat of that's part of the risk that went with acquiring him for the sum that they spent on it, um, you know, $120 million over four years, stretching Batum, who, by the way, is having a nice season with the Clippers. Like he's fit in perfectly um, with, uh, with the LA so far. And, and they play San Antonio tonight, actually. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like it just, it's Gordon Hayward is a great player. He does so many things. Well, he's, he's a terrific offensive player, but uh, you know, they paid a premium to get a guy that can do, you know, only but so much for them. If you're focusing on just like what he does in terms of like on-court performance, I still think there are like plenty of auxiliary benefits that come from a developmental standpoint with LaMelo. And I, I shouldn't have brought that up that late because it's sort of a lot to unpack, but I, it, it's like, yeah, what the, the best year of Gordon Hayward that you have on this crazy expensive contract, like, you know, you could be trending in the wrong direction on it. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. There's no way he'll ever meet that. Well, look, we're we're good at teasing things that take us a while to get to. So we will we plan <laughs> to talk about Gordon Hayward <laughs> in the next episode. Yeah. Um I think you're right, BG. Yeah, I I'm I'm going back and forth right now. I mean it's six games. I want to see a little bit more. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know, I had an injury coming out of the gate. I don't know how much of an impact that's had. Good Haven't point. heard much about it, but, but uh but anyways, yeah, it's it's something I'm watching closely. All right, BG, this was fun. Glad we could jump in here and do this. We'll be back next week, hopefully, with Richie. And uh, and until next time, go Hornets. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.